today's kernel is going out to Randy and his wife who after years of very hard work have been able to retire. So Randy and to your wife, sorry I didn't get her name, congratulations and I wish you both the best in your new retirement. A little while ago, I was joined by Connie, who goes by ConPoint on Instagram, and we got to talk about her journey towards financial independence and early retirement and how she celebrates herself along that journey. And so Connie was kind enough to come back again to, I guess, dive a little bit into the the emotions of money and all the things we have to deal with and everything's wrapped up in that. So Connie, thanks again for uh, coming back and joining me again. Yeah, I'm excited to dive deeper. You know, I love talking about the emotional side of money and how complex that can be. I was reading the article you wrote over on pointliterature.com about this break you're taking from work. So you're living my dream right now. You've just <laughs> taken a, was it a four, it's a four week break, right? From work? Yeah, about four weeks. You wrote these list of questions that you're answering. And you're going to answer these questions now and then answer them once you return back from your break. One of the points here under the question you wrote, how do I feel about money? It really stuck out to me. And in it, you wrote, I still struggle breaking the tie between my earning power and my self-worth. It's hard when it's so intertwined with doing good work and being rewarded in a professional setting. I wonder if I'm slowly becoming too money centric slash greedy. And this really stuck out to me because I think sometimes we start off from this place, a lot of us in our journey where we're not doing well with money. Maybe we have debt. Maybe we're not earning that much. Maybe we've just made a bunch of mistakes. And we're like, you know, we need to do better. I need to get more money. I need to save more. I need to pay off this debt. And then once you start to progress in your life, make these changes, and then you start to accumulate some money, you kind of have this guilt that settles in. I know, at least for me, you're like, oh, well, is it right for me to have this? Like, should I have this? Should I be giving it away? Is there other thing I need to be doing with this? I don't know. It's That really stuck out with me when you mentioned your fear almost of becoming too consumed with money. Yeah. So, you know, when you grow up, you watch movies, there's the character of the bad guy. He's always rich. Yep. There's the good one. Let's say a love story. He owns like a bookshop, has zero dollars to his name. <laughs> and you just see rich people as this bad person, as the um, antagonist of your story, right? So as we get older, like you said, once we start getting better with money, let's say we start building some wealth, there can be some of that guilt associated. I think when kind of writing this reflection, the before and after the break, I really wanted to see if my mindset would shift being removed. Because mm. I've been working for about seven years, really the purpose of this break was kind of a mental health break for me. I was hitting a really low point Q1, really wanted to just have some time to reset, kind of ground myself and really think about the big picture of my life, not really just work. I think when it comes to money, especially in our 20s, 30s, we're starting to make our own money. We're starting to define ourselves by our careers, whether we want to or not. And a lot of that comes with the burdens of student loans for some folks, having that intersection of passion versus practicality, understanding where their life purpose fits into work, if that and it may not, yeah. um, and really coming to terms with some of those deep realizations. So I think the struggle I have now is I really didn't expect to have my career in recruiting. I kind of fell into it. I ended up sticking with it for six years. Like I'm slowly trying to untangle how I feel about myself versus the performance reviews and bonuses I receive. Um, I won't lie, definitely from the time I started my entry-level full-time job in retail to now being a recruiter in tech, 
having that earning power makes me feel better about myself. And I don't know how I feel about that because as much as I want to separate money from self-worth, I feel good about what I did to get here. I feel proud of the things that I'm doing today, but knowing where to draw the line between how much of that being personal growth and professional development versus I'm just making more money now. I don't have the answer to that. If anyone else does, please uh, <laughs> please enlighten me and help me out. But I think that's some of the struggles that probably a lot of millennials can relate to. If you've ever paid off a student loan or started a business, you know how life-changing it can be. So wouldn't it be nice if there were some way to celebrate that? That's why I started Statement Cards, because financial accomplishments and career milestones are as worthy of celebration as pregnancies and engagements, and it's time to give those milestones the recognition they deserve. Head to StatementCards.com to check out our full line of greeting cards. That's StatementCards.com. The year of the pandemic, with so much being changed and life just being disrupted completely, and everyone just began living a completely different life for the most part than they were living before. I think it caused a lot of people to, to just reflect on life and what they're doing. And I mean, I think a lot of it is thrown on us as millennials. Like, oh, you know, we we're like in this group of people who are like, is this what we want to do? Is this is this what life is supposed to look like? Is this mm-hmm. is this where I'm getting meaning from? And I think it's just been it's been an interesting time to really pause and think about the way we feel about money and our careers and is it really fulfilling are we really is it really making us happy what we're doing and the money that we're earning from this do we need to be responsible with it do we need to be enjoying it like it's like i feel like there's so many conflicting emotions that come in especially in this past year that we've had to think about now and come to terms with just life overall. I don't know. I feel like this is getting too deep, but you know, I don't know if, if you felt the same way about this. We must go deeper, Chris. Um, <laughs> so I did an informal poll on my Instagram stories about, hey, given the events of just like the pandemic, has this made you reconsider your job or your career, even to the point of quitting? And I think over 80% of people from hundreds that had replied said yes. So hmm. the cool thing about disruption is I think it's a bit contagious. We had the disruption of the pandemic. People are now questioning their lives thinking if they are now the kind of impetus for change, disrupting their Mm. own life. I was telling you earlier that I don't know where I'm going to be in a year. It's kind of exciting that with this almost movement, it feels kind of like a worker's revolution where we're looking at the bigger picture of what life legacy means to us, of how we're spending our time, energy, how we expect it to be treated by employers. So I think it's an exciting time. I know we're all looking forward to the day where we have more options, but that time could be now. That's something mm. that I've slowly started to realize. There's like almost this conflict of, I'm getting my like w- worth and validation from having a job that pays me and supports me and letting me work towards my goals. But at the same time, it's like, maybe what I really want isn't, it, it kind of is in conflict with that, that work life, the earnings that you have. Because you maybe what brings you joy and brings you passion in life is something that's completely different and would require you to maybe jump off of that track that you're already kind of on right now. Yeah, I think that has been a, a tough realization for me. So writing hardcore is my passion. It's what I feel is my life purpose. I think it was toward my mid-20s that I realized, for me, it wouldn't fit into a career Part of what I love about writing is the freedom to write about whatever I want. No deadlines. I'm a huge procrastinator, so I don't (laughs) think that employer would like me very much. 
but really coming to terms, not in a way that I gave up my dream, but finding a place in my life where I could fully live that dream. And for me, that was outside of work. So I keep it pretty separate. My day job is to make money, perhaps get some of that external validation. And then in my free time, being able to support myself from my day job, I'm giving myself back that time from weekends, from after work to really do hobbies that fulfill me. How did you deal with this feeling you had, or maybe you still have, of the guilt of feeling like your life was becoming too money-centric? I'm still dealing with it. (laughs) My Instagram, ConPoint, was actually my personal page, and I became so money-centric that people now know it as kind of a (laughs) financial platform. I guess the way I ground myself is when I think about how I spend my money on joy, I want to do it very unapologetically. So whether that's traveling to see family, having just gotten back from a trip, I usually only saw my family on the holidays, so once a year. So now thinking about what's the purpose of money in my overall life? For me, it's to spend time with people I care about, to be able to have free will to do the things that I want. So instead of seeing them once a year, I am willing to pay more for flights to see them three times a year. So to me, that's using money as a tool to work on the things that actually matter. Yeah, no, it really does show you what what you care about when you look at what you're going to end up spending your money on. Yeah, but it gets more complicated, Chris. So for me, uh, part of financial independence and being a high earner, I am the daughter of first generation immigrants. My parents immigrated here from China. So to me, being able to build that generational wealth adds an additional layer of complexity. Mm. So being with my mom, kind of taking her on a mini shopping spree, that felt really good. And I was like, dang, it's tied to money again. And now I don't know if I, <laughs> if I leave my job, does it mean I hate my mom and all this dramatic stuff? Oh, but uh, it's just so layered. There's really no right or wrong. So I think when people talk about money, it's everything. It's all across the board. It's good. It's bad. It's triggering. It's rewarding. It's all of it. Yeah. And I think coming to a realization that we're going to have conflicting thoughts about money mm-hmm. and it happens to everyone. Yeah. Like you said, it's like, you're looking at, well, I don't want my life to be so focused on money. I'm looking for more freedom, more balance. But then at the same time, it's like, well, money does give you power to some degree and some more autonomy and options and ability to help people that you couldn't if you weren't earning money and how dealing with how conflicting those two things are. Something that you mentioned earlier is kind of the, the guilt of being employed right now, the guilt of making money Uh, being in a place where you're not trying to catch up on debt, but actually building wealth. For me, something that's actually helped is from tracking my savings rate. I've been actually um, able to give more to charity and knowing exactly how much I give. So before, I would have no idea in my early 20s. It's like, oh, someone has a GoFundMe here. My friend's starting a fundraiser here. Now I build it into part of my expected expenses. Kind of my goal every year, um, at least to a certain point, is proportional to my income. I'm increasing the amount that I donate to charity. So if I am becoming a higher earner, a larger portion of my income is going to charity. And that's something I document as well when I post kind of like my savings rate uh, annual recaps. Yeah, I mean, because having this income, it does give you the ability to support things you care about. We're also figuring this out. We're all on this journey at the same time. And we're all figuring this out. We all have questions. We all have doubts. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think getting to hear other stories like your own, Connie, it, it's helpful. So I appreciate you putting that out there and sharing it and then also joining me here on the podcast. Yeah, this has been great. It's given me a lot to think about. I just feel very grateful. So thank you, Chris. Thanks for reaching out, having me on. 
It was an honor to have you on. And before we get out of here, please let people know where they can uh, connect with you, see more of your work and what you're doing. Uh, I'm sure people after listening to this would love to, to follow along in your journey. Yeah, so I am most active on Instagram. You can find me at ConPoint. More of my long-form writing is on pointliterature.com, which I guess you can call my blog as kind of a website. But for <laughs> my most active stuff, find me on Instagram, ConPoint. Of course, I'll put all that in the show notes so that way people can easily uh, go find that. So thank you again. I really appreciate your time and you, uh, you have it on here with me. And thanks to all of you for coming back and joining me here for another episode. And I actually completely forgot to mention this, but big thanks to my editor, Steve Stewart, for sending me a quick reminder when he posted about this on Twitter. But Popcorn Finance officially turned four years old on June 28th. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit late in talking about this, but uh, it's really crazy to think how much time has passed since the first episode of Popcorn Finance was released. There's really no doubt in my mind that the show has only lasted this long because of each and every one of you who come back week after week to support what I do here. So I just want to say thank you so much for just listening and supporting the show. And you know, the first episode of Popcorn Finance went live on June 28th, 2017. And it was much different from the show year now. I've kind of tweaked it and played around with things and learned what worked and what didn't work. You know, I was just really trying to figure out what I was doing and to get over my fear and nerves of creating something new. And, you know, I actually recorded the first roughly about 18 episodes in my car, <laughs> sitting in my car with my phone up to my face. It was a very difficult way <laughs> to put the show together. But, you know, the key was that I got started because I'd actually come up with the idea for the podcast sometime in, I think, 2013 or 2014. But I was really too afraid to, to even get started. It was really just a big step for me just to put something together even if it was in my car, because at least I finally was moving forward with this idea. So I think that's why for me, it means so much that you all have enjoyed the show and enjoy what I put together each week and continue to come back. So again, thank you so much. Popcorn Finance really wouldn't exist at all if it wasn't for all of you who continue to listen and engage with me and uh, support what I do here. So thank you all so much. I appreciate your support. As always, thank you for coming back and joining me here for another bag of popcorn. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week and I'll talk to you soon. Your boy, keep it popping like Mary Poppins.